there, and thanks for joining us for the weekly career clip. Bite-sized snippets of our full episodes designed to help you find a career path that really fits you. For more of this great content, check out our full episodes. Welcome to the weekly career clip. So let's talk about being a woman in tech. Both of you are rock stars, I think, and probably in a male-dominated field. And we'd love to hear a little bit, um, if you would start, Emmy, with some of your experiences and maybe some advice you have for women that will be entering tech. Sure. So I think I've had a, a relatively good experience so far as a woman in tech. Um, I appreciate that my team is really diverse in terms of gender and um most mostly really treat me the same as they would a man. Um, I there is definitely some advice that I've learned over the last three years. Number one, everyone is faking it a little bit, so it's okay to kind of fake it to be fake it and um, just learn things along the way, ask questions, feel more confident in what you're doing. Um, another piece of advice I have is just strong mentorship and. Mentors, I feel like, don't even have to be somebody who is that much farther along I would say that the friends I've made at work, Sam, absolutely included, are are my biggest mentors and cheerleaders and friends all in one. We share in our success in work, our success in life, and we proofread each other's emails. And um, that is that I think it's important to be vulnerable with the people around you at work so that. I think the mentorship is so important in having those those women to look up to, that sisterhood. And Sneha, what would you like to add to that? Because I know sometimes there's got to be some challenges. Yeah, I mean, 100% echo everything that I said. Um, I wouldn't say that it's without challenges. I've been very lucky to be part of um, teams that are very supportive and have managers that are very supportive um, of being a woman in technology. But I think the challenges come from maybe not necessarily always seeing yourself represented, especially at really high levels of leadership. Um, I think that sometimes when you don't see yourself, it's hard for you to imagine a path from point A to point B, wherever that point B may be for you. So around those types of issues, I think it's really important to um, seek out not just mentors in terms of people you know, but also inspiring stories or reading a lot about women who have women from diversity um, so that you have this idea that it's not just a really, really rare um, event that's entirely based on luck, but there are a lot of things that we can do to control that outcome and change the world for other women while while you're getting great. So how can you as a woman make it better and more positive for the women around you um, while you're also creating the world that you want to live in? I think that's I like that a lot because there is this, I don't know if we call it a glass ceiling or just this notion that so many of the leaders are men. And how do you think we can overcome that as women? I think it's a... It's a tough question to answer because, like, you know, they say if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always had, what you've always gotten. But it's like, you don't really know what can be done differently both by you and by people around you to change the outcome. I think part of it is that the world is just changing around us, but also you don't want to take that for granted and just, like, you know, assume that many years from now, 
fiction. Um, part of it, if you really like, kind of whittle it down to most micro things that you can do day to day, it's as simple as like, don't question yourself in the meeting. If you have a question, don't like bottle it in. Make sure you ask it because you know men in the room aren't afraid to ask it. So if you don't ask it, then you're not going to get that question answered for yourself. So I think like it boils down to these really micro day to day things where if you're questioning yourself and you ask yourself like, is am I questioning this because I'm a woman or am I questioning this really because it's a question that I'm asking? I guess like pushing yourself in those borders of those areas. That's interesting. And not questioning yourself and not doubting yourself. And Emmy, I know you talked a little bit about something that you were really interested in, which was called glue work. I wonder if you could define that for our listeners and give a little advice in that arena. Sure. So Sneha actually introduced me to this concept. Uh, it, and it really, it was the, the best article I read all year because it spoke so deeply to me and what I was doing in my work. So the definition of blue work is basically all the extra work that is outside of your job description that is needed to make the team function, but it's, it's not really assigned to anyone. So examples of that are scheduling meetings, meetings, uh, taking notes, onboarding new people, participating uh, in things like that, that they are all important and they're very valuable, but they're not always valued in the team. So when I learned about this concept, I realized that I was doing so much of that in my day-to-day work that there was little room left for the quote-unquote notable work that was actually in my job description. And I think it's really easy for the work to be divided unevenly among your team. And studies have shown that women tend to volunteer more often for that type of work, and they also tend to be asked to do that type of work more often. So anyway, when I learned about this type of work and really started, I just had a term for it and I could start picking out where I was doing that. The, the next thing I did was have a conversation with my manager about it. I actually sent him the article and we talked about it in our next one-on-one. And that went really well. It went um, even better than I was anticipating. He was really receptive to it. And what we did then was talk about each blue work task that I had been taking on on the team and break them down into tasks that maybe I didn't need to practice anymore. I already knew how to send Google Calendar invites. I had been doing that you know, for the last years. But um, others really are good training for leadership or things that maybe are a little bit outside of your comfort zone and and good opportunities to continue taking on. So I kind of broke it down into those two categories. And then now that he was aware of it as well, I have noticed him sometimes rotating those tasks among other members of the team and assigning them more proactively so that they are a little bit more even. So blue work is definitely something I wish I had known about when I first started my job so that I could be vigilant from the beginning about exactly how much of that I was volunteering for. That's so interesting. It's all these things, like you said, that aren't even in your job description, but you're doing. And how is that impacting your ability to advance within the organization? What do you think about that, Sneha? I I think it's really important to um, elevate 
conversations like this to the consciousness of even having a name for it, I think when I read it, I was like, oh, this has a name and other people also And then there's an article about it that you can share with a friend and a different team or a different organization and then before you know it, everyone's kind of talking about it, right? So, especially if you work in a company like kind of like Red Hat, where there are there is a culture where everyone is encouraged to kind of raise issues that make it hard for you to fit in or make it hard for you to feel comfortable at work. Um, it's important to hold your leadership and your management accountable for that. If you work in a company that has, whether it's like affinity groups or interest groups, that can be a great avenue for you to um, socially organize and talk about things and realize you're not the only one that struggles with that. Is there anything you'd like to add on that, Emmy, as far as like advice you would have for young women that are maybe finding themselves in this situation? How do you talk to your boss about that? That sounds a little bit scary. Yes, it definitely is. I think it was a little bit easier for me because I had already been working with my manager for several years and I felt comfortable being honest and upfront with him. And that is definitely something I had to work up towards. And I think when I first started my job, I never wanted to seem like I was complaining about anything because it's not really a complaint. It's more of feedback to make the team better. Um, but I, I never, never wanted to come across that way. And I wanted to come across very helpful and very agreeable and, you know, a great employee. <laughs> um, but I definitely that it's, that's not really what a great employee is. If, if you just agree with everything that upper management has said that that's that's not why they're hiring you they're hiring you for your perspective that you bring not only to the the work that you're doing but to the team itself and the team culture and all of that so i would just encourage anyone who is planning to have a difficult conversation with their boss like that that it's you you want to have for a reason and it's it's to improve the team and it's to help others around you too maybe think about it for others if you don't want to think about it for your own sake.